Hallelujah. You know, we were singing that first song, and I was like, you know, that's really what, uh, that's really what the message today is connected to, you know. Um, it's really important for us to understand what the blood of Jesus did for us. Amen? Amen. And actually, we're going to get into some of that. Y'all good? Y'all look happy? You look glad to be here today? I welcome any, any first-time visitors. I'm Pastor Renee, my husband, Pastor Jeff. You know, he's not as funny as I am, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, he, he'll be back soon. He's on a missions trip. He was just in Berlin um, for a couple of days, and now they're heading by train over to Griswold, which I guess is called Griffin's Forest is the real translation of that. Um, and that's about a city of about 60,000 people in Germany, and so uh, we're excited to see what the Lord is doing over there. He's doing good. First night, they were evacuated due to fire alarms going off. You all don't know this, but you know... <laughs> There is a real enemy, and not to make everything a spiritual battle. However, it is just too ironic that um, things seem to all happen at the same time when you're trying to fulfill the plan of God. You know, if you feel like you're under attack, you know, and you've been doing your best to serve God, and this is not part of the message, but if you, you feel like you're under attack and you've been doing your best to serve God, um, that's probably because the devil doesn't want you to serve God. Now listen, some things we do ourselves. I'm not going to make everything something that the devil did to you, because that's not true. But I'm saying, so Friday, I get out of, uh, get out of school. And uh, Reverend Rachel calls me. She's like, there's no power to part of our building. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So we thought, well, it must be correlated to the air conditioning. So all day she tried to get a hold of those air conditioning people, which, by the way, manufacturer sent the wrong air conditioning unit. They're apparently taking care of it this week. <laughs> I trust that they will. I trust that they will. <laughs> but so I said, oh, no, I will get off the phone. I'm gonna, I know who to call, not Ghostbusters. <laughs> I said, my husband will not be called over this. <laughs> I'm going to call Jeff Tressler. And if you don't remember Jeff Tressler, he did a lot of work on this building. I said, Jeff Tressler, I need your help. <laughs> and he said, on it. So he got a hold of those air conditioning people. He got, he got out here. They got out here. Turns out, we think it probably had more to do with that power surge and that power outage we had. It shook one of the lines totally loose out of the out of the electrical boxes. I don't know anything about that stuff, but I knew Jeff Trussler would. <laughs> and so everybody say, thanks, Jeff Trussler. Not like, because <laughs> we're here having service. The kids are having nursery, and we didn't have to throw out everything from the refrigerator. So praise the Lord. But as I was here, all of a sudden I get a FaceTime from my husband, and it's like the middle of the night over there, like midnight or one in the morning. I'm like, oh no, we woke him up with all the alarms turning on and off. Now I'm gonna have to tell him. <laughs> and he and all of a sudden I hear he is evacuated from their accommodations from a fire alarm going off in the middle of the night. And he's like, I'm on the streets of Berlin right now. <laughs> I said, oh, here's where I am. <laughs> it was just so funny. It was just a funny story. And we just had to get a laugh out of that, you know. We could get bent out of shape about all kinds of things that happen. And, you know, there's just a lot that comes up in life that you just have to figure out and deal with. And you just have to laugh about it. And sometimes really all you can do is laugh but that is not the message today but I trust it blessed somebody in here <laughs> all right so today we're going to talk about what is the measure of faith for what is the measure of faith for 
Yeah, you know, and I'm going to tell you, I have been in the Word on this topic for a while now, and I really believe that there's some things that uh, the Lord wants me to draw out. So we're going to start here uh, in Romans 9, actually. We're going to start in Romans 9, and I'm going to attempt to show you um, a larger context of, of all of this scripture. And some of you are like, I've never heard of that terminology, the measure of faith, and others probably have. But today I want to show you what the Bible has to say about it in context, okay? So we're going to look at Romans 9, verse 30 through 31. And we're going to be in Romans for a little while here. Um, what shall we say then? that Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness attained righteousness, even the righteousness which is by faith. But Israel, pursuing a law of righteousness, did not arrive at that law. So this is, this is what it's talking about here. Israel was, were the chosen people. They were God's people. They were his holy generation, right? They were the people of God. They knew they had the word. They knew there was a coming, a Messiah. They knew that. But when the Messiah came, they didn't believe. They didn't believe. They had, even in Romans, we see later on in chapter 10, it says, the word is near you and in your mouth, even the word of faith that we preach. It was even, even the word of salvation was, it was easy for them to find on their lips because they already were teaching truth, but they just couldn't see Jesus in the truth. So what happened is they rejected the Lord, and so that allowed God to open it up for the Gentiles, right? And so that's what it's saying here, that by, uh, they pursued righteousness by the law, but when the true righteousness arrived and the true way to righteousness arrived, they rejected that. <clears throat> so Romans 9 through the beginning of Romans 12 that we're going to get to. We're not going to read the whole thing. Don't freak out. <laughs> How long is she going to keep us here? <laughs> In Romans 9 through the beginning of Romans 12, Paul is writing about Israel being the chosen people. They had the word of salvation available, every right, and really they, only, they had the only rights to the Messiah in the beginning. Their failure to see and get in line with that allowed the Gentiles access to salvation. So in this context, in Romans 9, 10, and 11, it's talking about all of that. It's talking about how Israelites were the chosen people. The Israelites had access to, the, to salvation, access to the Father, access to the righteousness of God. They had access to all of that. They rejected it. Uh, it talks about in, the, in this passage of Scripture, and you can go home and read it. It's actually not a hard read. And if you're going home with this understanding that that's what it's about, I think you'll understand it even better when you read it. But the natural branches from the olive tree, the Israelites, were cut off and the Gentiles were grafted in. Okay, the Romans talks about that. Um, but Paul is correcting them. He starts correcting them in this area of scripture, in these books of, in chapters of scripture. He's like, yeah, don't get too prideful about it, Gentiles. You didn't do anything more than the Israelites. You're, you were sinners too. You're all the same. You all were lost in sin. You all needed a savior. You, yes, you believed on the, for the free gift of salvation, but you didn't do anything special. Don't, don't get all haughty over it. Don't think that you're somebody who couldn't equally reject, right? And so Paul is correcting this, this thinking throughout 
the book of Romans throughout chapters 9 and 10 and into 11 and he's comparing and saying there's really no difference between Jew and Greek and Gentile there's no difference here it's the same salvation is and the same access is available for all and the same failure to receive that also could result for all and the same rejection of truth could result for all the same rejection of righteousness could result for all so don't get haughty it's the free gift of God amen I just really want to put this in context for you. So don't get too prideful about it. To God, as seen in the book of Romans, it wasn't about whether or not you were Jew or Gentile. Salvation was freely given by grace and must be accepted by faith. Amen? And the Israelites, that's where their failure was. They didn't um, receive or accept Jesus by faith. They didn't accept him as, as their savior. They had the word. They loved and had a fervor even for God. The Bible says that. They even had holy fervor for the Lord. They did. And I think, you know, um, that still applies in, in the Jewish, you know, non-Messianic Jewish religion. They still do have a fervor for the Lord. I know the Lashbrooks just got the opportunity to travel over to Israel, and I think that's one of the things she, Lori relayed most to me is that even these people who don't believe in the Messiah, they live in the Holy Land, they see all this all the time. They still, they have a fervor for God, but they still don't see the Messiah in it. It's really interesting. Um, still applies today, right, Lori? Uh, and then let's go to Romans 11:25 because I can't read this entire book today. Although I read it over and over several times because I just really want to understand what God's trying to say to us. And I know I said in prayer I want to put the found back in foundation. You know, the Bible says that we were when uh, we were lost, but now we can be found. But a lot of times we get all lost in like. I don't know, these minor things, and we forget about the foundational principles of the Lord, and it's very easy to follow God. It is. doesn't mean it's a bed of roses and unicorns and flowers. I don't know that I'd want to lay in that bed, actually. <laughs> but it sounds pretty. <laughs> but it's not about that. It, you know, we will still have trial. The Bible promised us that. We will still have tribulation. The Bible promised that. But we have access to God. That's what salvation was for, to bring us back to our Father. And we forget that. And we want our problems solved. And we want, we want the, the prosperity. And we, want all, we just want all the fun. We just want everything to be easy. But God didn't promise that. He promised through Jesus a way back to him. That's what we need to rely on and, and have faith in. But let's look at Romans 11.25. It says, For I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery, so that you will not be wise. Listen to that. I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be wise in your own estimation that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And really, this is real interesting in, in this context because Paul is writing about how actually the Israelites, God's waiting for them to come back to him. He's waiting. He's not, he didn't cut them off and say they can't come back. In fact, he says they can be regrafted in. And he's waiting for them to be regrafted in. He's waiting for them to, to realize the truth of the Messiah. And, you know, we know some Messianic Jews who actually are Jewish by culture, but they have accepted Jesus. They see it now, you know. And, and he's saying, uh, <clears throat> don't, be, don't be wise or big in your own estimation. You are not the only chosen people. You're all chosen, but you all come to me the same way. Amen? Through, the, through believing and trusting in my son as Savior. Amen? So the conclusion of chapter 11 is basically this. The Gentiles 
um, Paul's saying, Gentiles, don't get too haughty because now you're the chosen people. You're not different than the Jews. All have sinned, all fall short, all obtain grace and mercy by faith alone. So don't think too highly of yourselves. So we need to understand that whole context before we go into Romans chapter 12, amen? So we're gonna go into Romans 12, uh, verse one, very, very next kind of passage here. And it starts with the word therefore. So when you see therefore in scripture, it means therefore, all the stuff that came before it, the things we were just talking about, what I just told you, therefore, okay? So this is a continuation. And I know, and I said this last night in, in our Corey service, I can't preach the entire Bible in one service. Obviously can't do that. I can't get the entire essence of all of the context in one service. But I'm doing my best to relay the important things that allow us to connect so we understand. Because we could take a scripture, and my husband's been saying this, I don't like one-off scriptures, he's been calling it that. Um, you know, just taking one scripture, one or two scriptures, reading it, putting it on a doily, putting it on your card, whatever, and then uh, only, only standing on that. You've got to know what it's saying. You've got to know what God's intention behind the scripture was. We can't just make up the meaning of scripture. So it says, therefore, so we could say, therefore, since by the failure of the Israelites who would not live according to truth, you have been grafted in as children of God, right? That's, we, therefore, since this has happened, you're now grafted in as children of God. I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Meaning, you've been grafted in. Remember I just told you that the Israelites didn't choose to walk according to true righteousness. They, didn't, they thought they could fulfill righteousness by the law. They thought that they could fulfill righteousness their own way, really, we could say. I just told you they couldn't do that, that it doesn't work that way. Now you've been grafted in. Now your job is to act like it. <laughs> your job is to act like you are born again, children of God. Amen? <clears throat> Yes, because it wasn't you doing it. It was the mercy of God that allowed you to be grafted in. Amen? Right. Um, acceptable to God. So we want to present our, your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is. That is, uh, which is good and acceptable and perfect. So you prove by your life <clears throat> that you are living uh, your life as a sacrifice, as um, uh, a gratitude, a thankfulness, a worship. Worship just means we honor, we reverence, we thank, right? So if I want to truly worship God, I live like he intended for me to live. That's what that means. That's my, and that's my reasonable, some translations say reasonable, that it's my reasonable service to live like God saved me, to live like God did, did something for me, to live like I wasn't the chosen people, but he loved me enough to make me one of the chosen people. And, and you as well, obviously. All right, so now we're going to get where the title of this message comes from. The next verse, Romans 12, 3. Praise the Lord. For, though, or, for, for through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, 
not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. Doesn't this sound like what we just read in a couple previous chapters? So can we see the continuation of this thought? Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. You are not special. God's mercy saved you. You didn't do it. You weren't better than the Israelites. You weren't better than the, the sinner. The only thing you did is accept the free gift of Jesus. Now, thank God you did, if you did. And if you didn't, we'll talk about that throughout the service and, and at the end. But thank God that we had that free gift given and we received it. But it doesn't make us any better. We better not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. It sounds just like we just read, amen? But to, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Some translations say the measure of faith. And there is so much debate over this terminology. And you know that there's not much in scripture uh, regarding this phrase. So I believe that if we take that phrase out of, out of context, we can make it say whatever we want to make it say. But what it's saying in context is every one of us who calls on Jesus, who receives him as our Lord, every one of us has received a measure of faith. And that faith is for trust in him. And we're actually about to see why it's important that we have that ability to trust in him. We're gonna see why God gave us that ability to trust in him in context, amen? The right way to think of ourselves is that it's not of us that we are somebody, but because of what is promised and what we have believed. I want to read to you, can you, do you have the NIV back there, Caleb? If you do, I want to read Romans 12, 3 in the NIV. I actually like that translation best, you know. Some people, used, I've heard people call it the nearly inspired or the never inspired version. But you know, there are people who have spent their lives trying to translate these uh, books of our translations like the NIV and and uh, actually some some studies show that there's some more accuracy in some of the passages but that's not the message today but the NIV it says for by the grace given me I say to every one of you do not think of yourself more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you you think soberly God gave all of us this faith Every one of us has the same ability to follow and trust God. Every single one of us. I'm not better than somebody else for how much faith I have. It isn't about that. God gave every single one of us faith to follow and to serve him. We're going to see that here. Um, in context, we understand that Paul is saying to the Gentiles and any Jew that would be regrafted in, by faith, be sober about what has happened, that God has distributed faith, that is trust and belief and assurance on God through Jesus to all who would believe. <clears throat> and it's also uh, very interesting, I, I believe, a couple of times in these chapters, Paul is saying, don't get prideful, don't get haughty, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. What was the devil's fall about? Pride. We see that. Pride is what takes the best of them out you know and we think we're not in pride but we usually are in pride about a lot of things you ever think you're right you got to be right nobody else could be right i have to be this how dumb how stupid are they i like that word i don't know probably in my head i say it a lot throughout the day how stupid but that's pride right everybody else has has it all wrong and i've got it all figured out that's pride or my way is better and why did they do it that way why why are they driving that slow 
Because like you should, you're driving better, right? You're be we, we have this human tendency to get very prideful. And Paul is rebuking that. He's like, be careful. I know you're now the chosen people, but don't get prideful about this. Don't get all haughty about this measure of faith that everybody's been given, everybody who would believe on it. Don't get all haughty. Don't get prideful. Don't think you've somehow arrived at perfection and you did this, you know, because <coughs> that's not what it's talking about. <clears throat> we didn't do anything except believe. We can't get prideful about the gifts and callings that have been placed on our lives. Back in Romans 11, we saw that. Um, actually, back in Romans 11, if you, if you do do that homework, read, read Romans 9, 10, 11, 12. Read these, read these books. You want to know what to study this week? Read those. Study them out. Read them in a couple different translations if you want to. Um, just see what I'm talking about in context. But back in Romans 11... Um, uh, Paul says, what does he say? He says, the give, about, speaking about the Israelites to these, to these um, you know, newly grafted in Christians, he's speaking about the Israelites. He says, the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. Right. He's talking about the Israelites. He's like, I called those people. Yeah. I didn't take away my call. I didn't take away my gift on the Israelites. They just have to see it. Once they see it, they step right back in. They get regrafted into that olive tree. Once they see it, they're, they're welcomed right back in. Um, <clears throat> and so he says that. He's like, the gifts and callings are irrevocable. They didn't call or gift themselves. We don't call or gift ourselves. We don't. And so we need to not try to. <laughs> you know, you ever heard of somebody, they think they're God's gift to man. <laughs> right? You've all met somebody that way. <laughs> but God is the one who places the giftings. God is the one who calls us. God is the one who equips us. God gave us the measure of faith to believe on him. He gave us the ability to trust in him. Amen. So we try to turn phrases into the Bible into something else. We try to make them into their own, like, I don't know, pet doctrines, I guess we could call it. But we want to read and understand what God's trying to say to us. <clears throat> the truth is we've been given faith in God through the blood of Jesus, and now it's our reasonable service to live by that faith as we fulfill the plan of God. We're going to keep reading in Romans, verse 4. It says, for just as we have... So, so we're just talking about this. Everyone's been given this ability to trust God. This is what trusting God starts with and what it's for. For just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. This is talking about that every single one of us born again believers, we all have the faith of Jesus living on the inside of us. We all have the Holy Spirit guidance. We all have that born again nature if we've accepted Jesus. And in that, we all have things that God has gifted us with and called us to every one of us and just as my hand works with my arm and my arm works with my torso and my shoulder most of the time <laughs> i swear when you get over 40 no just kidding <laughs> 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 if you have 
haven't been there yet, your day is coming. <laughs> you know, all these things work together and make us function better as a whole. And that is what God intended. And he said that he, would, he had to leave and he left and he went on and he left us here and he said greater works would we do that means there would be more ability to fulfill that call to fulfill that great commission when all of these body parts were working together to do it isn't that amazing that god's like i know i could just take take everybody home i could destroy I, god is god is all powerful but he chose to use us as vessels and as parts of his body to fulfill his call. That's amazing. But it doesn't make me special or you special. It makes us all in this together. It makes us all useful. It makes us all needed. It makes us where none of us can say and get haughty, look at me, I'm the man of the hour. It's not about that. It's about God has given us this faith that lives on the inside of us so that we could become members of this body so that we could fulfill his plans. And he goes through and he lists all these different giftings. That's not all the giftings, but that's many. And there are things that each one of us will experience with God. And we need to know that it's not us that does it. So stop trying to make it happen. You know, if we go on, and I don't know if we're going to get there, but if we go on, and there's many scriptures about that, it's like, I want to be the arm. Well, you're the leg. <laughs> like, can't you be okay with being the leg? You know? We used to do these things. I don't know. I tell on myself these weird things that we used to do. We used to try to write our names with our toes. Like we'd hold a pen in our in our feet. That's your other homework. Go home. I want <laughs> I want pictures of your names written with your with a crayon in your toes. And we used to do that. And you know the feet make really bad hands and really bad writing utensils. They do. But my hand, you know, when it's working properly, it can it can make something pretty clear. You know? I, I remember one time I was sitting at my desk. I'm a school teacher, if you didn't know, and I was sitting at my desk, and I don't know, I like to sit crisscross applesauce in my chair. That's just how I sit. If you walk in, I'm probably sitting there, probably with my shoes off when it's my prep period, and, you know, I don't know. It's just I'm telling myself. And one day I get up after doing all this, like, grading and computer work, and my legs did not work. They fell. I, I literally fell at my desk, and I just looked up and laughed like, I'm so glad nobody was in here for that. <laughs> but now I tell everybody about it, so I don't know. But um, I was like, man, I wish my legs weren't asleep. I wish that I didn't just fall right now, you know? And really, that's how <laughs> we all want things to be. We want things working properly. And so instead of competing with each other or getting prideful about what God's called us to, why don't we just be excited about what God wants to use us all for and stop trying to be the arm or stop trying to be the leg and stop thinking that you don't have to be anything because yeah. even when your pinky is broken, your whole body suffers. Yeah. So even if you think your role with God is, is seems small compared to other people's, you still need to function. You still want to be doing the part that God's called you to do. Well, praise the Lord. The measure of faith is for us to fulfill the plan of God our part in the body, our gifting that he called us to. And there could be multiple things that each people are gifted with. Um, let's read, I want to read in the Bible Knowledge Commentary, I want to read what it says about Romans 12, 3 through 5 here. It says, A believer's consecration to God and his transformed lifestyle is demonstrated in his exercising his spiritual gifts in the body of Christ. 
As an apostle of Christ, Paul warned his readers individually, saying, every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. An inflated view of oneself is out of place in the Christian life. I'm going to read that again. An inflated view of oneself is out of place in the Christian life. Then Paul encouraged them, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, sound thinking, in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. God has given each believer some faith by which to serve him. By his involved wordplay on various forms of the verb to think, Paul emphasized that human pride is wrong partly because all natural abilities and spiritual gifts are from God. As a result, every Christian should have a proper sense of humility. We don't like that word, but that's, that's a godly word. Christ was humble. The Apostle Paul was humble. Uh, um, every Christian should have a proper sense of humility and an awareness of his need to be involved with other members of Christ's body. That's why it's important that we come together. That's why it's important that we know each other, that we partake of learning and growing together. That's why when we have prayer, if you can make it as a group and we can pray together, it's a blessing. Amen? Um, Let's see. As Paul explained, a parallelism exists between a believer's physical body, which has parts with differing functions, and the community of believers in Christ as a spiritual body. The point is that each member functions to serve the body, not the body to serve the members. The diversity of the many accompanies the unity of the body. Therefore, it is important to think soundly about oneself and to evaluate properly God's gifts and their uses. Praise the Lord doesn't matter what the call is, it matters that we fulfill it. That's what we need to remember. It doesn't matter which body part you're called to, but it matters in the sense that you need to know, you know, and you know, like up here, like I can't direct you all to know what God has for you. And knowing God takes your effort. I'm going to say that again. You knowing God requires your effort. If you want to get to know somebody, you have to spend time with them. And it's not hard to get to know somebody. You can talk to them and you'll get to know them. And the same way we do that with other humans is the same way we can do that with God. We don't have to go to God in this weird way that's like, oh, I can't understand you. I can't possibly know who you are. But if it is, you know, if if you'll talk to me today, I want to hear, you know. No, we go to God through his word. We go to God through talking to him, through prayer. We go to God when we praise him. We go to God when we, when the meditations of our heart When the thoughts, when we get our thoughts back in line and we dwell on whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever is of a good report, when we dwell on what God said about it, what God has to, you know, what God's thoughts are on the matter, these are all these ways that we can get to know God. We get to know God, and the more we get to know God, the more we trust him. You know, I taught last night, if you didn't get to listen, if you want to, you can listen on our Facebook page, but I taught last night about what faith really is. What faith is, and faith is really assurance and trust of God, in God. And the way we get to trust God, the way we, way we grow our faith, is we really grow our knowledge and understanding of God. That's what growing faith means. And really, I don't even like the terminology growing your faith. Actually, the Bible doesn't even use that terminology, actually. 
what I like to see is that I grew in knowledge. That's what the Bible terminology mostly is, is growing in knowledge and understanding of him. Because by default, just like we read every week in John 8, 31 and 32, that as we continue with God, we're his disciples. That means we're his students. That means we're getting to know him. We're learning him. And that means we know the truth and the truth sets us free. How does the truth set us free? By faith, by full assurance, full conviction, full trust in God that what he said is true. So we need to grow our relationship with God, and by default, our faith will grow. By default, the freedom will come. All right? Well, praise the Lord. All right, let's look at 2 Corinthians. Go to chapter 10. Hey, I'm doing pretty good on time. I hope you're following me today. hope that you are following me. All right, so 2 Corinthians chapter 10. This is the Apostle Paul again. He's writing a letter to the Corinthians, and he's correcting some errors in their thought processes. Really what's going on is Paul, when he writes letters to them, is quite bold, and they've recognized that. And he's bold because he has to be, because he's correcting things. And they perceive that in his letters he's bold. It's kind of like you get at, you know, those social media people, those trolls who will get on there and they'll say whatever they want online. But if they're to your face, they won't say anything at all. That's what they thought Paul was doing. But really what Paul was doing is he was coming to them in humility. So when he came before them, he came in humility. When he had to be bold, he was bold. But they, didn't, they thought that was wishy-washy. I don't, I mean, Paul was correcting. Your thinking is off. Not being wishy-washy. You're glad I don't have to come to you as bold as I have to write to you. <laughs> That's what Paul's saying. So, but we're in here. So 2 Corinthians 10, 10 through 12. It says, for they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his personal presence is unimpressive and his speech contemptible. Let such a person consider this, that what we are in word by letters when absent such persons we are also indeed when present. For we are not bold to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves, but when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are without understanding. What's happening here is they're like the other religious people. They are, they're bold in person. They speak with confidence. And Paul's like, yeah, you're, they compare themselves to themselves, and then when they do that, they think they're doing all right. <laughs> they, they weigh and they measure themselves by themselves. <laughs> well, we know those kind of people, right? <laughs> Paul's like, I don't measure myself according to myself. I measure myself according to God's standard. If I'm doing what God's called me to do, which is humility, which is coming to you humble, <coughs> Uh, when I do that, that pleases God. His, that, that's a greater standard of measurement than I'm measuring myself by myself and my old, own boldness. Man, you still, you, I mean, there's a lot of real life illustrations that go right along with this. You know, people getting on Facebook and saying, you know, you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that and I'm a Christian by golly and this is the way Christians live and how dare you live. What are you doing? Humility is godly. Godliness is, is humble, right? Well, anyway. Uh, so here's that word measure. Paul is saying these outwardly bold Judaizers estimate themselves only comparing themselves or using themselves as a measurement for success. They fail to understand truth and that they must measure themselves by God's standard. So we're going to keep reading in verse 13, 2 Corinthians 10, 13. But we will not, but we will not boast beyond our measure. But within the measure of the sphere which God apportioned to us as a measure, to reach even as far as you. 
So Paul's like, I'm not trying to be anybody other than what God has called me to be. I'm not trying to fulfill or walk in anybody else's shoes. I'm trying to fulfill that, that in, I'm trying to influence and reach that sphere of influence, that measure, that standard, that, that stretch, we could say, of what God has called me to. And he's even letting me come to you. I think it's a little bit facetious. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But uh, <laughs> he's like, even you, even God let me come as far as you guys. And <laughs> look at what you're doing now. <laughs> anyway, for we are not overextending ourselves. I love this here. For we are not overextending ourselves as if we did not reach to you. For we were the first to come even as far as you in the gospel of Christ. Not boasting beyond our measure that is in, another, in other men's labors, but with the hope that as your faith grows, we will be within our sphere enlarged even more by you. So as to preach the gospel even to the regions beyond you and not to boast in what has been accomplished in the sphere of another. I really love that. I think that really ties into what we're saying that just because you're not called to it doesn't mean it's not important or just because it's important doesn't mean you have to be the one to do it. God's going to use different people for different spheres, for different realms of influence. He's going to give people different measures or different reaches of what he wants them to do. Amen? And Paul's saying, I'm not trying to boast or take credit or even get into another man's labors or another man's call. I'm just trying to fulfill what God has called me to. Amen? This terminology is referring to measuring one's ministry. Paul explains it must be measured by God. The question we should ask is, am I in the sphere of influence God has called me to? Paul says God allotted to him this sphere of influence even to reach as far as the Corinthians, not boasting or taking glory for the measure of someone else, that is what is apportioned to another to labor. He's saying here, God has measured me out this region to reach and teach. I pray that I fulfill that and then be able to reach and teach even beyond that. But first, let me stick to what God has called me to. First, let me stick to the sphere of influence that God has given me to fulfill. Amen? I hope you're getting this. Paul is basically saying that I will measure my work by what he has assigned me to. You have to say the same thing. I will measure my walk with the Lord by whether or not I am doing what he showed me to do in my life. And we, we can get really weird about trying to figure out what that is. Oh, am I gifted to prophecy or prophesy? Am I gifted to teach in a pulpit? Am I gifted to sing on worship? What, am, what is my gifting? You know that as we walk with God, he shows us the things that he could use for his kingdom. Do you know that? Do you know when I first started coming to church, of course, I was an atheist, and uh, they, gave, they used to give out Hershey candy bars. <laughs> and they gave me a Hershey candy bar, and it, had, <clears throat> it was just like, here's a candy bar. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm good at graphic design. I, you know, I'm an artist, an art teacher, and gra I do graphic design. I was like, I could make some labels for those candy bars. And so I was like, that's the first thing I ever volunteered to do for God. Do you know that? That's the first thing I ever did. I was like, Pastor Tim, can I, um, I have this ability, and if you'd like, I'll make these labels for these Hershey bars that say, you know, welcome to church, we're glad you came here, or it was sweet to see, I don't remember what we said. Probably some pun, because I love puns. And um, I do, I really do. I know people think they're silly, but I love them. <laughs> I think they're punny. <laughs> Boo! Aaron, Aaron! <laughs> he booed me. 
my bodyguard, if you all didn't know. <laughs> she is. She's a kindred spirit of mine. But uh, so he let me do that. And as he let me do that, then it moved into the church bulletins. And then as I did the church bulletins, um, and I was proven faithful in that, I started serving with the nursery and the Sunday school. And, and it just moved on and on from there. And my point in saying this is I recognized an area that might be of need or might be a help within the church, I'm saying. And um, I, I fulfilled that as I had that opportunity. And then God led me or put on my heart or put on my pastor's heart other things but you know that's just the Christian walk within the local church and I think a lot of Christians I don't think I know a lot of Christians keep their Christian walk in these four walls and our Christian walk is meant to be out there. Yes, we all, have a, we all have a part to play within this local body as far as there's things that we can all do to keep this place up and running, you know. But there's also things for us to do in the community, whether it's at our jobs, talking to our coworkers, whether it is when we're at, you know, Walmart and we see somebody in need of groceries and we handle that for them. Or, or you know, we've got people that have different things on their hearts in here that they do for the Lord you know um, that that aren't something that we told them they have to go to or that we set up for them it was on their heart they did it they made it possible and you know this is what happens is I feel like somebody said Christians are like manure I don't know who said this but it was good Christians are like manure when you spread it out, it's really good. It grows a lot of stuff. It's a good fertilizer. But when you pile it all together, all it does is stink. <laughs> That's not your excuse to skip church because church is not meant for us to just be piled, stacked up manure. Church is meant for us to grow and to learn so that we can then take that equipment out into the world. And so our job is to spend enough time with God, to talk to God, to learn about God, to get to know him enough that we have faith to fulfill anything he's called us to fulfill. And what I mean by that is we trust him and are assured that if he's called us to it, he will make us able to do it. That's what we need to get to. That's the point we need to get to. We don't have to be someone else and fulfill someone else's ministry. We just have to be faithful in the sphere of influence or the call that we've been allotted. Amen? All right, we're going to look at Ephesians 4, chapter 4, verse 11. Uh, I saw my husband is watching service, I think, right now. Praise the Lord. He knows I'm funnier. He knows I. He is. He's laughing. He's missing me. He did. He sent me a really nice message this morning. He said, I realized that I don't know how I lived so long before meeting you. I really need you. I was like, oh. So nice. I am, he said, I am watching. Everybody say we love you, Pastor Jeff. <laughs> if it's your first time here, we are just real people. You don't have to join in the unison. I, I, I realized when we're reading the tithing scriptures that sometimes maybe as an outsider it can feel like, what are they making us do here? Uh, you're never, you never have to be uncomfortable, praise the Lord. <laughs> All right, Ephesians 4. I don't know how to be anybody other than me. And for a long time, I really struggled with that. Like, am I allowed to be me? <laughs> like, I wasn't made of spare angel parts. I wasn't raised a Christian. I don't have everything figured out. I do know what the word stoic means. <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
kidding. I just need to be me, okay? I just need to be me. Me, me picking on you is a term of endearment. We love the Gabriels. Honestly, this church would not run without them. Praise the Lord. <laughs> um, Ephesians 4:11. Praise the Lord. It says, "And he gave some to be apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service." So we see here. <laughs> that there are these giftings listed that God wanted to use to help equip others. And so we know that there, is a, there are roles within the body of Christ that are meant to be more of that leadership role that will get things put out there so others can grab hold of it. But that doesn't mean that those body parts are worth more to God than everybody else because God cares about us all. Like, I'm not the man of the hour, the woman of the hour, because I'm standing up behind a pulpit. I'm just fulfilling the part that God's called me to fulfill. And my, my role, and, I, and God showed me, God spoke to my heart uh, and showed me that he didn't just make me a teacher just so I could teach art. He, I heard that in my, in my heart. And you might believe in that or you might not, but that's the, that's the, the direction that allowed me to walk into this because an atheist girl who never even wanted to be a Christian standing behind a pulpit in itself is a miracle. <laughs> um, but God showed me in 2010, he spoke to my heart and he said, you know, I didn't make you a teacher just so you could teach art. So I know that he's called me to teach. And so in that, I need to fulfill my responsibility in that. And sometimes it's hard, it's hard stuff that I have to put out there. And sometimes it might rock your theology. It might change the way you look at things. But if it's in the Bible, we've got to at least give it a chance and, and study. You know, the Bereans were considered more noble than all because they went, they took what they were being taught and then they went home and they made sure the Bible actually said that. Not because they were critical going, oh, I bet they're wrong, but because they were critical thinkers knowing that I'm going to have to answer for God for what I believed and I need to make sure that I know it for myself. That's what I do as a minister. I said there were some things. I mean, I was really studying some things out. And I said to God in the night, honestly, I was up from one in the morning till five in the morning, just continuing to study these things out. And um, you don't have to feel sorry for me or anything. I mean, that's my typical life. <laughs> but um, uh, I was like, Lord, I really want to make sure I accurately teach your word. I don't ever want to stand before people and, be, and, and teach them anything wrong. And now I'm very aware that I could be wrong in things. I mean, I hope that next year I know more than I know right now. But my heart is to present things as accurately as I know how based on what I've studied in the word myself, not just because I heard it somewhere, because I want to make sure that I know what I'm teaching. Amen. I've got to do that. I, that's my responsibility. Actually, can I tell on myself? It was almost six years ago. I, um, we, were, we were preaching a series. My husband had it on his heart. There was a topic within the series that my husband asked me to teach on. And when I went to the Word with things that I had heard before and, and you know, my understanding based on what I had heard in other messages and things like that or read in books, I went to the Word and I didn't see it the same way. I didn't. And I was like, oh no, how do I teach this? And I had this moral dilemma as a pastor, this moral dilemma of how do I teach this? Am I going to teach it just the way I was shown or do I see it that way when I study to show myself approved? And I, 
I taught it the way I was told and I parroted the messages I had been taught, but I didn't really understand it fully. And after that, I said no more. I felt like dirt. I did, I just felt horrible. And I went home and I, I repented of the Lord. Lord, I don't wanna ever be a minister who just parrots what I was told. I wanna to make sure that I know that I know before I present it to your people. And um, I, it set me on a journey to really understand the word of God and really, because you know, I didn't get the word of God growing up. I didn't, and a lot of you didn't, you know, but I knew that if I'm gonna stand before people, I better be accurate. I better make sure that I do it the right way. And I, again, I always put this out there. I know I haven't arrived. I know there's plenty for me to still learn. I know that, <coughs> but when I come to you, my heart is to come to you accurately. I know that's my husband's heart as well. Where was I here? Okay, so some have been gifted in order with, you know, given and equipped with a gifting in order to equip others. Amen. And so we see that here. And so the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we can, we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by, listen, by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. It says here that when we do our part, when we supply, when, we're the, when all of us are joints that supply what is proper for us to supply, to, to give and offer up our proper, reasonable service, um, that it actually builds us up. And it does that because we're actually walking in love by doing our part. We're walking in love towards one another when we fulfill our part, amen? Not somebody else's part, our part. Do I get to tell you your part? There are some things I'll know about you, but it's unreasonable for you to think that I should go around and tell every single person what God has for you to fulfill. You've gotta, you've gotta seek the Lord. Because guess what, if I tell it to you, you're not gonna believe it as much as if God shows it to you. Now I could confirm it, my husband could confirm it, but you better know and you better seek the Lord on your own. And if you never, never think God's calling you or having you do anything for him, it's probably because you haven't spent enough time getting to know him. Because if he has called you into his body, into his kingdom, he's called you for a purpose, amen? Probably multiple purposes. So part of why we come to the local church is to be equipped by the ministry giftings. Primarily a pastor will be what's primarily in the pulpit within a local church. And that is in order to fulfill the measure of the plan of God that we are meant to fulfill. This terminology of, of this measure that we've been given is understandable <coughs> when we see this in all of this context. We have been given a piece of the puzzle to fulfill. We've been given a part that we need to play. We have been given the free gift of faith in Christ and then with that free gift, with that faith in Christ, we are able to fulfill everything he's called us to fulfill. I think about Noah, I was thinking about Noah and his ark, you know, the ark in the night, I was thinking about that, and how God didn't call any of us to, to build that ark. 
So if we tried to go outside right now and build an ark in, in the Mayville Lakeside Park right now, that would be foolish. That would be a waste of our time, a waste of resources. That would, that would probably make a mockery of the kingdom of God, like that crazy person up in Mayville is building another ark, like what are they doing? But Noah was called to do that, and he had to trust God in that. He had to have faith enough to fulfill that, that sphere that God had called him to fulfill, right? So he fulfilled that. What has God called you to? We think about the Apostle Paul, you know, and we think about Jesus Christ. We think about John the Baptist. What did they have to fulfill? Everybody's role was different. It all looked different, <coughs> but nonetheless, it was all important. All right, if God is, okay, here we go. Consider baking a cake. <laughs> I don't know why God gave me this illustration because I do not bake cakes. <laughs> But consider baking a cake. There are different measuring tools to be used. Measuring spoons, larger measuring cups. If the cake calls for half a cup of sugar, that half cup measuring cup will be used to hold that allotted amount. God is trying to bake a cake, so to speak. He's got different ingredients and he needs different measures of each of those ingredients. But the goal is when he puts them all together and mixes it all up, that he gets the cake that he intended on the end. Now I know that a cake might be like, seem to be just a kind of foolish example, but I think we get it. I take the flour, I take the sugar, I take the pinch of salt, the little bit of vanilla. Some have more to, that they have to add into the mix. Some have less that they have to add in the mix, but you know, it's all important. One time, um, I don't know if you were part of this group, but we used to have a home ec class in my school. Were you there? Yeah. She did this to me. <laughs> she did this to me. I walked by, because it's on my way to the restroom, and they said, want to try our, our pumpkin pie at, at Thanksgiving time? I said, oh, sure. You know, that's so nice of you. That was so nice of you. You know who it was? It was Chris Van Sickle. It was Chris Van Sickle. He goes over to that, the Jamestown Church. Chris, they gave me this bite, and it was all salt. I, what are you doing to me? Oh, my gosh. That salt was trying to be the measure that it wasn't meant to be. <laughs> the salt was taken over in an area that the sugar was meant to do. And we don't want to be like that as Christians. It tastes good to nobody. It's not, it, it was nothing. It was no good but to be tossed out. <laughs> we want to fulfill the measure that we're called to fulfill. She's like, no, don't, don't pin that on me. Chris Van Sickle, I know, I remember. I remember. <laughs> they were kids. I, I did laugh about it. Amen. I laughed. <laughs> and now you all get to laugh about it. So when I go back to Romans 12.3, when we go back to Romans 12.3, we're going to go back there and read that section again, okay? It says, uh, 12, 3. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Since we all have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. So we need to trust God and have faith in God for whatever he's called us to do within the gift and the call that he's placed on our life. If, my, if I need, you know, we had to trust 
God that when he called us to be pastors, that not only would he, find, <laughs> would he fulfill that by bringing the resources to get a building, but also that he'd bring the people to help and to come and to learn. Because we knew we can't do that on our own. We couldn't boast of ourselves like we created that. We didn't do any of this. We were faithful to trust God, to trust that God would do it if he called us to it. And even during COVID, you know, when everything was getting shut down, I started hearing all these ministers, they'd be getting on, they'd be like, don't forget to give, don't forget to give, don't forget to give, don't forget to give. And, and the Lord spoke to us, don't even, don't even do that. Don't worry about whether or not people are going to be faithful to give and to provide for the house of God. Trust that they're going to be faithful to God. And, and don't even worry about it. And so you know what we did? You probably remember if you were here. Bob had the little bucket out back, and we said, if it's on your heart to be tithers, if it's on your heart to be givers, there is a bucket out back. We purposely followed God in that so as not to pressure or to make anybody feel like we're going to get mad at you. It's between you and God. <clears throat> and you know what? We never went without. Our bills were always paid during that whole entire time. And actually, we started seeing people pour in from, from other places that don't even come to this church. And you know what? why that was? Because we didn't worry about it. We didn't fret about it. We trusted God. We trusted him at his word. We had faith that if he said it, he would be faithful to fulfill it. And so he spoke that to our hearts, not to make it a thing, not to try to make anybody feel bad if they did or did not give. It was between them and God. <coughs> and people came through and, and were faithful. Praise the Lord. Your measure of faith is the sphere of influence and the work the Lord has called you to. Your measure of faith is the role God has called you to play in, that in the body of Christ. Your measure of faith is your function, not the work you've called you to, not the role you wanted, not the function you deemed necessary, but what measure did God call you to fulfill? We're going to look at Romans um, yeah, Romans eleven thirteen. so just go back a chapter. Romans 11, I hope you're getting something out of this. I, I promise I'm getting close to the end here. I really am not going to keep you for four hours. <laughs> the new people said, oh gosh, thank God. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, it says in Romans eleven thirteen through 14, I think this is important though. But I am speaking to you, this is Paul again, of course. We were in this, this is what we've been in. I'm speaking to you who are Gentiles, inasmuch then as I am an apostle of Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If somehow I might move to jealousy my fellow countrymen and save some of them. Now what he's saying is, he's saying, I magnify, that, that means he just, he thinks so much of himself. Paul's like, I am the man of the hour. That is not what he's saying. He's saying, I make my ministry, the one that God's called me to, to reach the Gentiles. I make that ministry so important, my primary focus in my life. It is the thing that is the biggest to me. I know that, that this is what God's called me to, so I give that my all. That's what magnifying his ministry was. And he said, I hope that I do such a good job putting that ministry first, fulfilling that call, that those Israelites, remember that we talked about, that they get jealous that they're not grafted in anymore and they finally see the truth and finally come back. I hope that I've, I've put such an emphasis on this call of God, not because it's me, but because I know it's important to God. <coughs> I hope that I've done that in such a way that it actually brings back his original people. It's amazing. Because he said, I hope they come to God. This is what I came out of. I wasn't, you know, this originally, I wasn't, 
I was, I was part of this, and I hope that everybody learns, sees it like I finally saw it, you know? So Paul, in context, is explaining he's speaking to the Gentiles, but hopefully if he does it correctly, he makes those on the outside jealous enough that they want it too and that they'll be saved, amen? We want to see, I want you to see in this part about magnifying his ministry. We saw earlier that Paul's method was being humble and meek, bold when he needed to be, but only when necessary, because he wanted to place the glory on God and not of himself. That was Paul's heart. He, and that was Jesus' heart, by the way, that he, he wanted the emphasis and the glory to go to the Father. Paul said, I'm, not, I'm going to be meek, I'm going to be humble, I'll be bold if I have to be, I'll speak the truth in love, but my heart is, when you look at me, the glory goes to God. And that's what our heart should be as well. Whatever God's called me to, when you look at me fulfilling that call, do not think, oh, wow, she's awesome. No, think God is so good. God is so good to teach us his word. God is so good to give us his word. Not Pastor Renee did a good job. None of that. I don't even care about that. Well, I do. <coughs> I care that I do a good job for God. But I don't care that I do a good job to impress anybody. And that's why I have to speak the truth in love. Amen? But that's what magnifying your ministry is all about. It's magnifying the call, not because it's you, not because you want a magnifying glass on you or a spotlight on you, but because you want God's plan and purpose to be fulfilled. So you put it of utmost importance. You, you make it big in your life. You make it big in your focus. Amen? All right. Paul says, if I do it right by the ministry God has assigned me to, it'll produce... It'll make the cake God intended, right? When we magnify our ministry, it means we take what God has measured out for us to do as the member of his body he made us to be, and we fulfill that fully. Amen? All right, we're going we're gonna to end in 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to look at 4. I can just read it, actually, because we're about we're 30 seconds left. <laughs> it says, Now <coughs> there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for what? For the common good. Amen? For the common good. Skip down to verse 11. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. God sets the members as he sees fit. God requires us to walk with him, to know what that call on our life is, <coughs> and to fulfill it. Our job is to think soberly of ourselves. Just as the Israelites neglected to live by faith, we too can neglect to live by faith. But our faith should be focused on, I trust God that whatever he's called me to, he will be faithful to help me walk that out. Amen? What does that mean? the provision that's needed to fulfill the plan of God, we can trust. You know, we look at Matthew chapter 6. Look at the birds. They don't worry about it, right? And he said, don't even worry about it. If it's, if it's for you to do, there will be supply. If it's for you to walk out, you'll have direction. You'll have all the things you need in order to fulfill the plan of God as you trust him. Amen? Praise the Lord. All right. I think that is where we're going to stop. Think soberly. Live by faith, trust him, and fulfill your part that he's called you to fulfill. Amen?